If you would go please to uh, 1 Corinthians, the first chapter today. When I've been with you, we've been on a subject we're calling faith in the power. And we get that from this text here in 1 Corinthians 1 and then also in chapter 2. 118, 1 Corinthians 118, he said, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it's the power of God. Verse 22, he said, The Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to Them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so these two groups are still with us today, in that uh, there are those who pursue intellectual things, and they're looking for, quote, wisdom, knowledge. And that describes a lot of our society in the U.S. and Europe today because of additional education that in previous times wasn't as available. A lot of people have, uh, you know, early school and high school and college and some even, you know, beyond that. And, and so there's big emphasis on knowledge and, and learning. But that's not all there is to uh, life and to existence. And uh, then he mentions at that point the Jews sought a sign. And that's a power sign. And of course, how did they come into covenant? Well, with fire coming down on the mountain. <laughs> you know, And um, they, their forefathers experienced uh, glory and power. And so you still have these two groups today, and especially in some parts of the world, they believe a lot more in the supernatural than they do in other parts. And so you got one looking for a power manifestation and another looking for knowledge and wisdom. But the, the reality is that true knowledge and wisdom is found in Christ, and true power is also in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you skip down to the second chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse uh, 1, he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that soon, I think. What what does he mean, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling? Well, Well, we'll just look at it right now. I was with you in weakness and fear and in trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sit out loud, I have faith, not just in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I have faith, I believe, in the power of God. In the power of God. There are people who go to church. Who There are some churches. I'll put it like that. I'll just go ahead and say this. It's not a real church. What do you mean? Who don't believe in a literal physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Those people are not saved. But that's the part they stumble over is the power of God. They're like, that's impossible. A virgin birth, that's impossible. Being raised from the dead, that's impossible. Well, how are you an expert on what's possible and not possible? How much do you know? How long have you been around? No. You want to show some humility and at least say, I don't know how it could happen. We don't know how it could happen. But that doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And if you believe the Bible, you believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's power. I said, that's power. When's the last time you looked up into the night sky? Especially depending on where you are. If it's a, a real, you know, dark night and there's not a bunch of city lights around and clear sky. I mean, it just, just, you know, you can tell, you can't count them, but you can tell there are billions and billions of these light spots. Those are all stars. Stars. Like ours. Like our sun. A lot of them a lot bigger. Stars. Many of them with their own planets around them. What kind of power does it take to create that? And not just create it, something is sustaining all of these stars and all of this gravity and all these planets and the very energy impulse for you to be able to breathe in and breathe out. Something is sustaining that every millisecond. Now, if you say, well, I, I just, I believe in the Big Bang, and I just believe, it, you know, then, then that's not science. It's a belief that everything is self-generated. That has not been proven. In fact, we don't have anything in our experience that generated itself. Self-generated? It just brought itself into existence. We can't point to anything. I challenge you. Point to anything that brought itself into existence. You can't do it. That's because, I mean, even people who say they don't believe it, they use words like creation. Well, to have a creation, you've got to have a creator. People contradict themselves even when they're trying to talk about it. No, I'm, I'm thanking God. 
and I know I'm in good company here with you, that we believe in a mighty God, an almighty God, a powerful God. Hallelujah. If he can create human beings, he could sure create a virgin birth. If he created life, he could sure raise from the dead. Could he? Well, if he could do one, you know he can do the other. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, Paul was a man of education. By today's standard, he would have had multiple degrees, probably multiple doctorates. He, he spoke numerous languages in a time when most people couldn't read and write. I mean, he, he was Gamaliel's star student, and Gamaliel was famous in other countries for being the top instructor in these kind of things. And, you know, he talks about it in Philippians that he counted all that dumb to win Christ. Hallelujah. And he wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection. I mean, when you taste the reality of the presence and power of God, you're not hung up on verbiage and writing something pretty to hang on the wall. You're like, no, I want some more of this power. I want some more of this. We don't want to just talk, empty talk. We've tasted some power. We want some more. And I'm telling you, in God, there's always more. In fact, there's so much more, you and I can't handle it right now. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you remember when, uh, when Moses said, you know, after he'd had some experience with the presence and glory of God, and at one point, it just, it just kind of comes out of him. He says, God, show me your glory. In other words, I think he said, I want to see all of it. Show me. I mean, I've seen some stuff. Show me. I know there's a lot more back there. Show me. Show me. And the Lord said, I can't. I can't, Moses. It'll blow you away, buddy. You can't. I can't. You can't handle this. Tell you what I'll do. I'm going to put you in a safe place behind some rock. And I'll cover you so you don't get too much glory. And then when I pass by, I'll let you see some back parts as I'm going away. <laughs> but in other words, you cannot look straight in my face, buddy boy. You, you can't handle it. And in our current condition, we can't. But that's one of the reasons why these bodies are going to be changed. Amen. They're going to be changed into immortal incorruptible they're going to be glorified so we can handle the glory Amen. are you looking forward to it, oh, yeah. uh, it it's going to be glorious it's going to be amazing wonderful he said that your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men not in what men have figured out and expressed in the books they've written and all of this. No, something beyond that. The power of God. Said another time, I have faith, I have faith. In, the in the power of God. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians, because this is the same, same Paul actually writing to the same church on another occasion. And I want to remind you that he said, uh, he was with them at that first time in weakness, weakness, and in much trembling. 
Well, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, Paul again, the Spirit of God threw him to the same church at Corinth. He said, verse 3, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, the word comfort is a bigger word than I think many times we think when we hear the word comfort. When we hear comfort, we tend to think, maybe if you're a little upset, it's kind of like a pat on the shoulder going, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, comfort. But the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And you'll find that that word means, you know, sometimes it's translated helper, it's also translated strengthener. Well, the Amplified renders it that way, I should say. Strengthener, standby. Do you hear these words? So when he's talking about comfort, he's not talking about just a few kind words. He's talking about putting strength into you when you feel weak. Because why would you need to be comforted? Can you see? It's because you have felt pressed, you have felt weak, you have felt alarmed, jarred, frightened. You well, well, you don't just need empty words. It'll be okay. You know, don't feel bad. Can God do more than that? Yes. That's when He says comfort. He's talking about strength, strength. And when you feel weak and when you felt rattled and when you maybe felt addled, addled and rattled. <laughs> now you're laughing, but you felt that way before. You're like, what is going on with me? I, I need help. When strength comes into you and stabilizes you, are you comforted? Yeah, yeah when you're strengthened, you're comforted. That's what you need. When you're weak, not just a pat on the back, you need some real strength, spiritual strength. And that changes how you see things. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He does this through the agency of His Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. He does it through uh, his children, through, through one believer to another, through ministry gifts to others. He comforts, keep reading, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith ourselves are comforted of God. That's a lot of comfort. Is that right? Comfort, I'm, I'm counting comfort, 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 comfort. Just in this verse and a half. Comfort. And you, you notice that what you receive in this comforting strength and ability, you can minister to others who need it like you did. And that's the Lord's plan is that when you recover, you're able to help others with the same thing that helped you. Amen. And such as you have, that's what you give. Amen. 
you're able to give and able to minister. And so, you know, it, it's actually, I know people mean well, but just because you had a problem in an area, that doesn't qualify you to minister to people in that area. Huh? Just because you're a drug addict, that doesn't make you qualified to minister to drug addicts. You need to have overcome. Y'all with me or not? You, when you have gotten free and you've overcome, got free and stayed free. Right? Then you can help somebody with the help that helped you. But just going through something and going through pain and going through torment does not qualify you to minister to somebody else. Y'all okay or not? No, it's not going through the problem that qualifies you. It's overcoming. It's overcoming. We, we're, we're able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Every good thing the Lord gives you is ultimately to share. It is. If it helped you, if they'll listen, it'll help them. Right? If it if it strengthens you, if they'll listen, it'll strengthen them. Keep going. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Now this you're going to see uh, again here in the 12th chapter of this same book. And it, it helps to remember all of this goes together. How many understand 1 Corinthians goes with 2 Corinthians? Right? And the 12th chapter is still connected to the 1st chapter. Here it all flows. So you've got to watch about pulling out half a verse out of context and building something out of it. A lot, So many bad doctrines would have been prevented if they'd have just read the three verses before it and the three verses after it. As the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. This is the principle that I believe we're supposed to emphasize today. The more help you need, the more help is available. Y'all with me, friends? In uh, verse uh, 6, whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also be of the consolation. You know, one of the reasons why a seemingly personal thing, maybe not even that big a thing, can seem like such a challenge sometimes, is because you don't see the big picture. And the reason the enemy... Is, is really, you know, just resisting you, resisting you, trying to wear you down, trying to get you to give up and quit, is because your victory is also other people's victory. You don't know it. You don't see it yet. But your overcoming will affect other people. It will encourage them. It'll strengthen them. It'll help them. And what you also didn't realize is your failure can hurt them. 
The enemy would like to, to, to squelch your faith and stop what you're doing and wear you out and get you to quit so that other people who know you and maybe respect you would look and say, well, and the enemy will say to them, well, if they can't get it, you can't. Can you see that? Yes. It works both ways. If the enemy can discourage you enough to get you to quit and, and, and fail, then also he can use that to discourage other people. Who may, they, maybe they think you're more spiritual than they are, so they won't even try. Oh, but the Lord wants to use you as a witness, amen. as a light. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? And so when it comes to it, fight the good fight of faith. Yes. Don't give up. No. Don't quit. No. Lay hold and stand. And having done all, stand. stand. Then when the dust clears... Not only will you have a victory, but the Lord will put, he'll, he'll touch people all around you and say, you can have it too. Amen. You can have it too. Amen. You can do that too. Amen. You can do that too. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you, when you testify right, you don't brag on yourself, but people that know you go, well, yeah, I mean, if they can get it, why can't I get it? I can get it. And, and the Lord will say, you can. You can. Your victory is also the victory of others. It inspires their victories. So it matters. So well, I'm not a preacher. Well, that's, that's got nothing to do with it. You, you're an influence in your world. You're a witness in your world. I believe that's straight from the Lord. You are a witness in your world. Your place of work, your community, where you go, what you do. Somebody say it out loud. I'm a witness. In my world. In my world. And you're a, you want to be a witness of the, the power of God. You want to be a witness of the goodness of God. Amen. Right? Yes. You want to be a witness of how God helped you, saved you, healed you, protected you, provided for you. Right? And comforted you. And now with that same comfort and victory, you can encourage somebody else. You say, let me, let me tell you, he did it for me. Yes. I said, he did it for me. Yes. He will do it for you too. Amen. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, verse 8, and this is what I was endeavoring to get to, it just took me a little while. We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Now, how many believe Paul's a real man of God? I mean, he had uh, multiple visitations from the head of the church. He saw Jesus. He heard him speak. He Revelation? Well, what are we preaching from today? Right? <laughs> Revelation? And yet, at this point in his life, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He said, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. Didn't think I was going to make it through that. He said, we were pressed out of measure. That is, that, that's beyond our limits. Now, whether you found out or not, you have limits. Whether you found them or not, you have limits of your strength, 
of your determination, of your courage, there is a point where you run out. Don't care who you are. If you don't think so, it's just because you had not been pushed that far yet. <laughs> but there is a point where everything in you will go tilt. And you're like, I, I don't have any more. You're out. But it doesn't mean you're defeated. Amen. If you know what to do. And if you have faith in the power. Amen. Not your power. His power. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. He he said we were we were pressed out of measure. We were pushed above strength. Above his strength. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. He didn't think he was going to survive it. He was going to live through it. Verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. How'd you make it through, Paul? He's telling you. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. So what if you did die? He could raise you from the dead. Is that right? Oh, my. Do not assume you already know this. Do not presume that you've already got this. Because the tendency of human beings is to walk by sight. And that means rely on what you see and know. And what you see and know is you, yourself, and other people around you. And unless you do differently than most of the planet, that's what, no matter how much religious talk you talk, when you need something, when the pressure's on, what you look to is your source. Who you look to is your source. And if you keep talking about how strong you are and how smart you are and you can do anything that you set your mind to, you're not depending on him. You're depending on yourself. And I'm telling you, you're limited. Actually, severely limited. More than you think. But there's somebody inside you as a child of God who is the greater one and he is unlimited. Unlimited. Oh, somebody say unlimited. I have the unlimited one inside me. The greater one is the unlimited one inside. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yeah, he was the one hovering over the face of the deep when God said, let there be, and it was his power manifested that brought it into existence. And he's really living inside you. He's taken up residency in you, whether you think so or not. If you're a child of God, you've been born again. Somebody say it again. The greater one is inside me. The unlimited one lives in me. 
Oh, the living God lives in me. That means you have unlimited power that's available when you need it. But it matters all or no whether you believe in the power, whether you look to him, and whether you rely on him. Because if you're only relying on yourself, you will not experience what we're talking about. You won't experience the quickening of the greater one inside you because you're ignoring him trying to do it yourself. And that is a danger every day. You know, most people are used to doing things their self. They make their plans. They make their efforts. They try to make it happen themselves or try to get somebody else to make it happen. The tendency is to walk by sight and look at what you know, what you're familiar with and aware of. It takes faith to trust in the unseen one. To rely on the unseen one inside you. Say it out loud. I walk by faith. faith. Not by sight. sight. And I have faith. faith. In the power. power Of God. God. Have faith in the power of God. Now here let me say it a little bit differently. Say I have faith. faith. In the power of God. In the power of God. In me. In me. The power of God in me. Amen. You're here in the, uh, in the first chapter. I didn't finish reading this. Let me finish. He said, uh, we had descendants of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. And what happened? He delivered us from so great a death, and he does deliver, and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. He got us out of that. He's delivering us today and whatever we run into tomorrow. He will deliver us out of that too. But did you see the thing that got Paul through? He had to come to the point where he didn't rely on himself anymore. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should trust in him. Not in ourselves. Look at verse 9 again. We have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Now, all Christians know that that's the right thing to say. I trust in God, not in myself. But it's one thing to say that on Sunday, another thing to do it on a Thursday evening. Because the tendency, like I said, is to look to what you know. In a time of crisis, in a time of need, wherever you look, whatever you go to, that reveals what your source really is. And many times it's not God with people, even church-going people. In the third chapter here of 2 Corinthians, well, actually, all this is good, but for time's sake, fourth chapter, Fourth chapter, verse 5. See if this sounds familiar even with what we read in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You know, just as a general rule of of practice, you shouldn't be talking about yourself all the time. 
You should. I mean, once in a while, sneak up behind yourself and listen when you're talking. What I mean, if it's about what I know and where I've been and what I've seen and what I've done and what I believe, that's way too much I. I'm telling you. Jesus said, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. Why are you talking so much about yourself? Are you trying to impress people? Stop it. I said, stop. Don't try to impress people. Just be impressive. Don't try to impress. Just live an impressive life. Be impressive. And besides that, you're not the Savior. You don't want them oohing and on over you. You want them oohing and on over the one that did all this great stuff for you. Amen. The Master, the Savior. He's the one that can do it for them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we saw a couple of weeks ago that the power and the glory go together. The, the glory is the power is the glory. And when God's presence and power is manifested, there, there was a, a physical manifestation of smoke and cloud and, and fire. And that's just because he came in the room. And his presence and, is emanating such power. The Bible said that all things, this is all creation, is being upheld by the word of his power. What must the throne be like where all of this power is generated and coming from? What must it be like? Thank God, before too long, we're going to find out. <laughs> I think we're going to find out before too long. And loved ones that have died here in the body and going to be with him, don't feel sorry for them. They're experiencing what you're looking forward to. Right? People that were the Christians, say, and, and the only one left to feel sorry for is you. So just don't. Just, just look forward to seeing them again, right? The next verse says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We, we have what treasure? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Hallelujah. The light and the glory is in these clay vessels. Hallelujah. Say it out loud again. The greater one's inside me. The power's inside me. The glory's inside me. The unlimited one lives in me. Now, so that doesn't mean you're unlimited. You're not. You're, you're very limited. But the unlimited one lives in you. And so it's possible to access some of his ability and power in different situations. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians. 
2 Corinthians 12. And having reminded ourselves of that, this whole chapter will just come more alive to you. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Verse 5, 12-5, Paul is talking about amazing experiences of being caught up to glory. And he said, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 12, 5, Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but for my infirmities. Now, that word does not mean automatically sickness. It means weakness. Now, you can be weak because you're sick, but you can be weak because you're just tired or because of any number of other reasons. So he's, the word is weakness. And he goes on to say, For though I would desire to glory, I'll not be a fool. I'll say the truth. I forbear, lest any man should think me above that which he sees me to be or hears of me. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, all kind of stuff has been twisted out of this verse. But how many remember you got to take, keep verses in context? Keep them in the context. First of all, thorn in the flesh is a figure of speech. That's not to be taken literally. Messenger of Satan is to be taken literally. Why do you say that? Because thorn in the flesh or thorns are used as a figure of speech in previous passages of Scripture. The Lord warned the Israelites that if they didn't run out all of the Canaanites, they would be thorns and briars to them. We have similar phrases today. Pain in the neck. <laughs> if you say so and so, they are a pain. Well, you're not saying that literally, physically, they're necessarily causing you pain. <laughs> but they are a continual irritation. <laughs> Which is why you shouldn't call people pains. I mean, that's, that's not nice, is it? <laughs> but that thorn in the flesh is a figure of speech. But messenger of Satan is not a figure of speech. So this is not something God gave to Paul. This is something the enemy did, and it is, it was, a continual irritation. Irritation. And he said, uh, some translations will, will say, you know, to keep me from being uh, lifted up in pride. Well, it didn't say that. You need to say, so, well, it said exalted above. Yeah, but that's not the same as saying lifted up in pride. So don't say it a different way. Even if you don't understand it, stay with what it said. And besides that, is God opposed to us being exalted? He said, if you'd humble yourself under the mighty hand of God... He will exalt you. And when did you ever get anything from the devil that would help you not be proud? You mean you need the devil's help to be humble? What does he know about being humble? How's he going to help you? No, no. If you skip down just a little bit, verse 10, 
he gives a list of what was caused by this messenger of Satan. I take pleasure in weaknesses, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, and in distresses for Christ's sake. Persecution is a key word to understanding here. Did Paul experience persecutions? And it was a hindrance to him. And he wanted it to stop. And so he's asking the Lord to make it stop. And the Lord had to help him realize, no, you're going about this the wrong way. In fact, the scripture says, came through Paul actually later, writing to Timothy, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Can I believe God not to be persecuted? No. No, you can't. Did you hear the verse? They that will live godly shall suffer, not being sick, not being broke, not being diseased and confused in your mind, not being troubled with things that are part of the curse of the law, but suffer being persecuted, being talked about, being mistreated. Can you see that? Why? For Christ's sake, because of your stand as a Christian. I mean, did Paul encounter some difficulties because of preaching the gospel? Oh, man, did he? He was beaten with rods. He was stoned for doing what? It wasn't just because he was too proud. Then he stand out there and go, that guy's too proud. Let's stone him. He is too proud. Let's beat him again with some sticks. No, it was for preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. And who doesn't want the gospel exalted? Who doesn't want the message of deliverance and salvation exalted and promoted to the ends of the earth? That's the evil one. That's the the messenger of Satan was trying to shut him up, trying to shut him down, trying to stop him. And so he said, if you back up then verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. That what might this messenger of Satan? Buffet means to hit again and again. Like punching again and again and again. And you know, you, you read the book of Acts. And I mean, everywhere Paul went, they had revival and riot. Right? I mean, they had, they had exultation and they had trouble. And he was like, Lord, can we stop this? You know, I'm trying to preach the gospel here. And the, and the Lord showed him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of grace. My spirit and my help and my strength is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when Paul got this revelation, he said, well, glory to God. Most gladly then, I will glory when I'm weak. That the power, anybody believe in the power around here? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he saw the revelation. He thought, well, no, 
The solution is not to remove the devil from the equation, because if you read other passages, he's here until the time. Remember, sometimes wrong spirits would cry out when the Lord would show up and say, have you come to torment us before the time? So it ain't, it's not time. There comes a, there's coming a time when they are going to be completely removed from all human contact. Hallelujah. We'll be done with them forever. But that is not now. That is not. They're down here and they're doing whatever they can to steal, kill, and destroy and cause problems. And so begging God for them to go away or begging God to make, take them all away, it's not going to work. That's not what, that's not what you got to do. What you do need to realize is that no matter what situation I'm in, I got the greater one inside me. And when, I, when I'm pressed, when I'm persecuted, when things are going on, even like Paul said, pressed beyond measure, when I'm weak, that's when all this strength will come into me. When I look to him and depend on him instead of myself. Now, you know, depending on who you are and how you think, different things remind you of different things. But uh, I've all, I've, I grew up around hot rods. My cousins were drag racers, and I always liked something fast and powerful. And uh, you got naturally aspirated engines, and then you've got supercharged engines and turbocharged I mean, a lot of you probably got a turbocharger on your car, or you might have a supercharger. And you might say, well, what's that? Why do you need that? Oh, man. (laughs) Superchargers were particularly developed back during World War II, and they're particularly applicable to aircraft, because when an aircraft takes off, let's say a little small single-engine piston airplane, might be making 300 horsepower on takeoff. But you climb up to about, you know, 10,000 feet, 15,000 feet, 18,000 feet, that engine now is making about half the power it made on the ground. It, it might be making 150 horsepower wide open. And that's because the air is so thin up at altitude. The higher you go, the thinner the air gets. And so that engine just, uh, it, it'd be like you huffing and puffing for breath, trying to get breath, whether your motor's doing that, (laughs) trying to get breath. And the engineers, though, discovered we can create a supercharger, and it will force more and more air into that engine so that it still makes 300 horsepower up here, like it made on the ground. But you, you can't just have the supercharger going full bore when you're on the ground or it'll just blow your engine apart. <laughs> and so you have waste gates for turbochargers and other things that are on demand. Oh, is anybody listening to me or not? What does that mean? It means you don't need it right here, but when you get to the limit and you need more, then the gate opens up and the supercharger just starts pumping it in. Oh, hallelujah. Do you remember Jesus saying, I'm going to send you another comforter. Comforter. 
We've been reading about comfort in here. Comfort. What what kind of comfort? Well, the Amplified brings up that that word means it's the one called to one side to help or to aid. And he he is the strengthener and he is the standby. (laughs) A few years ago, I was able to get a Corvette. I've had Corvettes in the past, but this one's got a supercharger on it. And just driving around, you know, you don't know it. But old brother, you know, you get out and some, some, somebody tries to pass you when they shouldn't. <laughs> you know, you're running along, but they don't respect the car, you know. They, they, don't, know, they don't know what they're dealing with here. <laughs> it's got a gauge that shows boost. Boost. And a lot of times it's in a negative range. I mean, it's not, it's not even producing any additional boost. Because, you know, you can run 80 miles an hour down the interstate all day long, and it's just, it's just sitting there. But it's there. I said, but it's there. It's there humming. And, oh, brother, you downshift and put your foot in it. That gauge, that gauge goes, whoop, it's like that. And it jumps from 200 horsepower to 650. <laughs> and things get blurry. <laughs> Everybody say boost, 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 boost. Well, the Holy Spirit has boost, boost, boost. Oh, does he have some boost? And that's what Paul said. He said, I, you know, I got to a place one time when I, I didn't think I was going to make it. And, and then, you know, there's these wrong spirit just harassing me everywhere I go. And, and the Lord said, son, I have already added to you what you need. My grace, not will be, not could be, is. You've got on you and in you everything you need. And Paul got to Revelation. He thought, ooh, I see it. I see it. I see it. When I start, when I don't have enough and, and it's getting too hard, I, I can access boost. Hallelujah. When I'm weak, that's when the gate opens up. Hallelujah. And that's when the boost comes in. And when I'm weak, that's when I'm stronger than I've ever been. Oh, come on. Can you say glory to God? When I'm weak, that's when I get more help than I've ever gotten before. More strength than I've ever gotten before. And I'm not just strong in myself, but I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, and I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ and his strength that strengthens me. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information visit our website at morelife.org.